0: Welcome to the Inspirational Vision Starting Over podcast. I'm Mary Markham, your host and Starting Over spiritual life coach. On this show, you will hear raw, real, starting over stories with struggles, challenges, experiences, and messes that turn into beautiful, powerful messages and successful businesses. It is my hope that these stories inspire, encourage, and help you along your starting over journey. Here's to starting over again. Today's guest, I'm so excited to have Shelly with us. Shelly is a real talker, strength builder, solution finder, hope creator, therapist, coach. She believes that healing is a process, that change is possible when we assume responsibility for that change. And I love this part that she likes a little bit of humor can go a long way. So I'm super excited to dive in to find out more about the humor, her starting over story. So welcome, Shelly, to Starting Over Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Mary. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you. So um, why don't we begin with just telling us a little bit more about you personally?
1: Sure. Well, I live in rural Wisconsin as well in a small town, um, but I'm north of you, and I'm married to a man who is almost 15 years older than me. And this was we were both older parents when we got married and had children. So I have a 13 year old son and a 14 year old daughter. And as a family, we like to go camping, um, snowshoeing, and cross country skiing. We we live by the Chippewa River. Um, and spend a lot of time by the river kayaking and doing things like that. Overall, we're, we're a pretty active family together and so I've been really blessed to have that family time. And what's unique about my business is it is out of my house, and I'm currently in a little space in my laundry room. And this is where I see people throughout the state of Wisconsin for counseling, and sometimes throughout the world for coaching. So I feel really blessed to have that opportunity to be around when the kids are home and to have the flexibility in my schedule to go wherever I need to so that I can prioritize my family at this point in my life.
0: Oh, my gosh, that is so beautiful. I love that. You get to be there for your family. And if you've never been up to Chippewa Falls area, Chippewa uh, River, I mean, it is so beautiful up there. So. Um, I just recently had a vacation up there. So just a plug for that. Um, You live in a very beautiful area and we're both from little small towns in Wisconsin. Yes, thank you. Yes. Yeah. So um, when you think of starting over, because this podcast is about people's journey so we can help other people along their journey. And so what would you like your starting over topic to be today?
1: I think it's really important to acknowledge that after I had my son, I developed postpartum. And then shortly after that, I was let go from a job. And I found myself at home being a stay-at-home mother, and it was never anything I thought I wanted to be or do. I didn't think I would be good at it. And would definitely say at that point in my life, I was a workaholic. Um, So here I am sitting with postpartum and it's about a year after he's born and I'm still not working. And Bryce and Addison are 15 months apart, so really close in age. And like I said, I didn't feel like I had the right skills to be a stay-at-home mom and understand all of that despite my schooling. And we always had wine in the house. And I just reached for the wine to kind of decompress and get rid of the stress. And essentially within four years, I found out that, I didn't find out, but I found myself being an alcoholic. And it is something that is within both sides of my family. And I'm not surprised because I'm genetically predisposed, but I never thought that that would be like my fate per se. And I found myself after I would say the last two years of my my dependency was definitely the hardest and, and really where I, I will say I wasn't driving the bus per se, and I was really physiologically addicted. And so it just got to be from the age of 35 to 39 and not even knowing who I was and where I stood in life and what I stood for and feeling like I'd lost all connection to any faith or sense of spirituality. And so I just quit everything and job, life, motherhood, all of it. And I went to treatment. And um, when I was in treatment, I had this really, really profound experience. And so I think for me, getting sober was really the start of of my starting over.
0: Wow. Thank you very much for sharing your story um, and being vulnerable too. Mm -hmm. Um, What an incredible journey. So what what would you let or oh, well let me ask you this how long was your was the treatment how long
1: well between detox and treatment i would say that probably like 36 days altogether that i was away from family and then when i came home i just had so much shame and i didn't trust myself to drive to aa meetings and so i came up with my own unique way of of staying sober although it really scared my husband because they made it very clear that if i didn't do this this and this i was going to relapse and i wasn't doing any of the things that they wanted me to do um but i i just had i just needed him to trust and so i reached out to Um, a woman in town who was the wife of the Baptist minister here. And I'm not Baptist, but she's just the most beautiful, lovely soul. And I joined a Bible study with with some of these women. And so essentially, I was in the basement of a church, you know, finding God and doing my own thing. Um, But that's really, you know, so I got out of treatment, inpatient, and then came home. And like I said, kind of devised my own treatment of what I believed would help keep me sober. And I did do outpatient therapy and did EMDR therapy for probably six to eight months. And during that time, I took the kids down with me and, and they each had counseling and did play therapy, which they really loved. And so we had this really beautiful healing in outpatient as well too.
0: That's incredible. Um, I I love how um, you were led, you Mm -hmm. know, this intuition to, you know, follow this path. And I always look at it, you know, that God's guiding you along this direction that here you are in the basement of this church with these people, you're not Baptist, but yet you are drawn in, in your journey is really growing in your own faith and spirituality as well. And I, I love that connection as a spiritual life coach, um, just how you tapped into that. So um, what was the, the biggest impact, um, like even for your family, your children, witnessing and watching mom go through this and my wife go through that?
1: I think the biggest impact would be. <sighs> I don't know, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think maybe just that I modeled grace and probably the biggest impact for me was the amount of grace that I felt from people in the community that I didn't even know, knew that I had an addiction (laughs) because I was very secretive and very private and and I remember when I went to treatment, I let the kids schools know that I was like going to the spa retreat, <laughs> which it was nothing like that um, because I had so much shame. So I would say that over the years of staying sober, that I have modeled grace. I've worked through shame. I have, I have shown the kids and my husband that we don't need to be codependent. And, and that we can work through anything we want to get through. But it was really important for me that we did it with a sense of faith and that we included our relationship with God. And we we are Christians by, by you know, that's what we identify as. Um, and I grew up Episcopalian, although we didn't do much with, with church. And my husband grew up Lutheran. And so we've raised the kids Lutheran. But I personally work with so many people that are different religions, denominations, different ethnicities, races, different cultures. They live around the world. And so for me, it was really important, and it still is, that my faith isn't just about the the dogma behind, you know, my connection to God, but about the the energy that that you know he puts out this idea of walking with Jesus and what would that look like and Jesus really worked for the broken and um and and I felt that way many years of my life so feeling like I'd been connected with that sense of spirituality while I was in treatment and out of treatment was just important that I continued to carry that in the journey and that the kids saw me model that for sure
0: yeah That's really beautiful, Shelly. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I love that. Just watching your whole family kind of like grow together, you know, through this experience, Mm -hmm. which is so beautiful. And so one of the questions I wanted to ask you was like, what is that? um, Do you have a set routine that you make sure that is important to you every day that you do to keep you focused? So you don't backside and also is as you have teenagers Mm -hmm. um and you know let's get real you know they're going to be tempted by you know society and and peers and whatnot how do you keep them or keep them from um you know kind of heading in that negative direction if you will sure
1: sure My routine that I do is I wake up in the morning and I used to go reach for my phone and I don't do that anymore. So I wake up in the morning and I lay there and I, and I get into kind of the state of oneness and I pray and I bring God into my, my energy and I just ask him and, you know, I say, God, Jesus, you know, spirit guides, my mother is gone and also died of, um, well, not also, but died of complications due to her disease with alcoholism and COPD. And so I believe, and I know like I know that she's been on this spiritual journey with me, helping me kind of heal this ancestral trauma that has gone from generation to generation. And so I always call her in, which is really neat for me because we didn't have a good relationship when she passed. And so it's really healed through my connection to, to believing in, you know, the miracles in the afterlife. And so, um so I always call her in and I just lay there and I always just do my big breath of, you know, I take that in and I just say, my intention for today is, and I create an intention and then I, when I, when I pray for that, when I ask for that, it's always for the highest good in that I show up at the best that I can for my clients. Because the clients that I'm working with have some really, really profound things that they've experienced and maybe don't have the same, they're not at the same place of, of, I guess, feeling like they are supported, feeling that sense of peace, that sense of grace. And some of my clients aren't they don't believe in something greater than themselves. And so I have to be really mindful of that and which direction I'm supposed to take them in. And so I just set out an intention that really works towards them. And then throughout the day, I just rely on little conversations and kind of manifest, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily signs, but, but signs within conversations with clients that am I on the right path today? Am I aligned with what I said I wanted to do, the impact I wanted to make? And when I started to create that routine, things were a game changer for me. Not only my ability to stay focused and to be attentive with clients, but then just like questions and comments and resources just have come flooding in because I'm really putting forth something that I'm hoping gives them this idea that, that they are worth all of the work that they're putting into themselves. And so that's, that's a really important routine for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that is really beautiful. I love that. Cause I think intention is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Cause I noticed that even with myself, um, I, I started doing the same thing in the morning, creating that intention and you're right. It is a game changer. It's that game changer, that, that focus has changed your intention, the energy, and, um, there's a lot of, a lot of clarity that comes out of that, which is so beautiful. So,
1: well, and so, you know, then you asked about my children and that's something we do with them as well. Um, I love Sarah Young's book, the Jesus calling, and we bought the kids aversion as well. And so it, it's not necessarily their go-to, To think about incorporating mindfulness or setting the intentions and, and, you know, praying, you know, as often as I do, it's something I do regularly throughout the day. But we do pray with them at night, and it's something that we've tried to incorporate. You know, I've seen some really, really hard stuff. I've worked in the prison system, I ran drug courts, I've worked with some very hardened people emotionally and mentally. And I'm aware of how quickly things can turn for a teenager. More often than not, how it gets to that is somebody that doesn't feel loved or appreciated and doesn't have an attachment and they feel abandoned. So first and foremost, I always try to make sure that my children feel loved. And I always mm-hmm. say, I'm your mother first, your friend second. And that, you know, and I kind of joke and say, I love you too much to let you make stupid stupid mistakes. <laughs> and we're <laughs> trying to raise you to be you know, something that an employee would appreciate as well. But I always let them know that where they can find guidance, if it's not in my husband or myself, is through their relationship with God. And to never forget that in hard times when they're not sure what to think or what to do, to always just pray, you know, talk to grandpa, talk to Grammys, talk to people. And just at the very least, to just again, get that that good Mm -hmm. breath in. I teach them breath work. Um, You know, they sound like they (laughs) probably sounds like I'm some, you know, you know, hippie, Jesus loving mother. And that's Mm -hmm. the farthest thing that people would see us as, because it's something I think we do kind of keep to ourselves. Um, But it's important that my children understand that this is a really, really hard world. And they're going to have to face some really difficult things, but that they don't have to do it alone, even when they feel alone. And so I try to model that for them.
0: Yeah. I really want to acknowledge you for that, Ashley, because it's such a beautiful example, but you are creating such a strong foundation for them, you know, that's going to take them through life to know where they get to come back to, where they get to go when life gets hard or something happens. So I really want to acknowledge you for that. Um, it's a beautiful example for that, because I, I talk about um, the importance of having a strong foundation mm-hmm. um, in your life. And um, you did that so beautiful. So thank you.
1: Well, and uh, I appreciate hearing that because I do think it's important to have a strong foundation. And the one thing I always try to, to help the kids understand and their friends and people around me and the people I, I work with is that our life is about scaffolding. We're always scaffolding, but you know, we could be the seventh scaffold platform up and, and it's rocky. So then we have to kind of dismantle things, come back down, build it stronger. And it's not always an easy thing, but to do it knows that you're just growing. And so I really am trying to, like you said, teach them that the the basis and the foundation is really where you know, you can grow from. And, and so they seem to understand, I mean, they know what scaffolding is and that seemed to make sense to them instead of sometimes going into a lingo that is, you know, above them. So I try to stay within the realm of their interest at mm-hmm. 13, 14. Oh, what a perfect age too, because then
0: their kid, their friends come over and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they can model that as well. Yes. If, if a friend is struggling and I love this too, because you're, Talking a lot about your faith, and and um, again, I I love it that faith is not defined by a religion, a a right. a church, a denomination, it and um, to have that strong faith foundation. And what's the greatest gift of all is love, and you're sharing that love with your children, and knowing that they they get to feel that love created in their foundation and they get to take that out into the world and um, just great job, mom.
1: (laughs) I, I, I worked very hard to get here. I really did. We went through a lot and, and part of that, you know, foundation that I had was not solid. And so when I got out of treatment, we, we embarked in love and logic and really implemented that very strongly within the family and the kids understood that. And it, and it changed, many things, how, how, you know, the kids saw money and, you know, rewards or consequences or things we can grow from. And so you know, we have, we worked really hard to be where we're at and we do get compliments on our kids and we're grateful because it was not easy to be where we're at. And I had fleeting moments, Mary, sure. where it was like, if I just want to stay drunk, I can just stay drunk. Cause I did try to get my mom back in life. And then I was like, no, I don't have to be that. So.
0: yeah. Well, and again, it goes to back to the foundation of where you started over. You know, right. you it's it's making a choice, yes. making the the best choice for you, for your family, for them to make the right choice that they're gonna be coming up, you know, as teenagers. But um really focusing on what is the right thing that's gonna help the right outcome. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you mentioned uh, a quote. So is that a favorite co- quote or do you have a favorite quote mantra something? Yes, that, yeah. I do.
1: Well, I actually came up with a quote when I was working at the prison and it wasn't intended to be a quote, but the in- in- inmates were like, ma'am, you've got to, you got to package this up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I was just dealing with a lot of resistance and I just said, I said, control is an illusion. The only thing we have control over are the choices we make. Mm. And it really reminds me of Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will lead your path straight. And it also is very similar to the serenity prayer. Again, it's it's about his will, not ours this idea of trusting, and I think when we're in a really rough spot in life, we not only don't trust ourselves, but we certainly aren't going to trust a higher power. And so just kind of reframing it in a way of like control versus faith made sense to these inmates. So that's kind mm-hmm. of mine. But then I have up here, my husband got me a sign that says, let your faith be bigger than your fear. Mm-hmm. And then right below it is a picture of my mother and I, and then each of us got little urns of her and that's there as well. And I really feel... Very connected, you know. She's she's always hanging about in in my mind and in session. So I love that saying too. Let your faith be bigger than your fear, because yeah. that's really guided me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I have a necklace that um, I
0: wear quite often, and that's what it says. Your faith be bigger. Than beautiful. Me. Yeah, you know, I just it it's so refreshing to hear your journey. Um, I can just imagine. I mean, all the. The different types of positions and people that you've been around um, could easily have changed your mindset, could easily take you down a dark path, but how beautifully said that it was a choice and it still is a choice for you. Yes. You know, I mean, hearing some of the hard stuff that your clients have been through that you've been through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so many people out there is like, yeah, I can't do that. I just, I'm giving up or I can't give up that bottle. I can't give up my wine time or whatever. Um, It's a choice. Mm -hmm. So let the choice, you know, decide how you want to live.
1: Absolutely. You know, when I got to the, the, the last part of my addiction, my dependency, I, as my husband would say, I was not driving the bus. There is there is absolutely a difference between being a, a problematic substance user to becoming really dependent. And that dependency is, is there is a physiological connection in which I was no longer driving the bus. Mm. And I didn't really get to make the choice to quit. It was like, you do this or we're done. Um, you do this, or there could be legal consequences if your behavior doesn't change. And so, I was—that was thrust at me, and then I chose to go with it. And it was through all of the work and when I was an inpatient, and a lot of spiritual work that I did myself, um, that this is my choice to stay—you know, clean, sober, and, and, and I've had surgery since where I don't take any type of medication um you know after i came out of treatment i started to have some physical issues and 3 3 years after i got sober i was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and from there i've had some other pain disorders like interstitial cystitis and ibs and you know just some some migraines that come here and there and that's another example of when you're in a really hard place physically and your body is just zinging and doing all the things that, you know, neurological disorders, you know, create within our body. I just sometimes have to lay there and just meditate and just, and that's not easy. I'm like a hamster on a wheel, but, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just to kind of like breathe within to the pain and know to take those days off when I need to. And, and to just, to just accept where I'm at. And that's taken a ton of work to do as well. Like that is something that I've still, still am doing. It's important to me to, to keep, you know, up with reading and learning. And I'm seeing a health psychologist through UW Madison. It's part of my MS multidisciplinary team. So we work through any of that, you know, emotional dynamic and it's just been it's been something I've just continued to do because I think it's important. I think it's important for my growth. I think it's important for the, you know, the clients I work with. So, um it's, you know, it's been a journey that starting over between being sober and living with chronic health challenges has probably given me the best view I've had of myself. Like I love myself more than I ever have. And, I haven't always been able to say that. So I feel really deep gratitude for where I'm at. And it's, and they're not easy days, but I know that I'm here for a reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And, and again, being vulnerable. Um, What, like, I'm just kind of like in awe of, (laughs) of your intention. It goes back to that word, your intention of this journey. The starting over through being sober and um, making sure that that stays, you know, back here Mm -hmm. and then um, your intention of what you have to do every day. And I love too that, you know, all of us just because because Shelly's a therapist and coach because I'm a coach doesn't mean that we don't need help. We don't need guidance. We don't need that support from someone else. And having that support through your MS journey too, keeps you in line with your clients and your family. And again, it's an intentional thing. So it's a choice. It's an intentional choice.
1: Right. I remember when I was in treatment, my sisters came to visit me and I was really upset about how things evolved and how I wasn't a good stay-at-home mother. And you know, my family can be really fun and and we can be really crazy too. I mean, again, we're an alcoholic addicted family <laughs> system, so we have all the dynamics and everybody, you know, smoked and talked like a trucker and everything like that. And I just remember my three sisters sitting around me and I was like, and I'm not this perfect mother. And they looked at me and they go, do you think that's normal? Isn't it? And they go, oh God, no, no. What's normal is when you become a mother, you get batshit crazy and there's things that happen and you don't know if you're coming or going. But yeah, you have to figure out other ways how to cope. And part of that is to just accept that we're all in this together. And, and anybody that thinks that it's a white picket fence is delusional. So it's okay yes. that you just feel angry and you want to rip the head off your daughter's Barbie doll, Shelly. It's okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. And it was such deep validation that I can have this beautiful relationship with god and my higher power and do all the things that make me feel good in that um which some are unconventional but i can have that and i can still be fun and brassy and sassy and then i can have these moments where i don't want to be around anyone because i need to be within my body and nurturing that and i can be all these things and still be okay and that yeah. i'm not i'm not shame anymore and i'm not yeah i'm not this thought an idea of broken and so i think to when you start over it's really important to find the people that help you in in your growth process because you know we, we're going to beat ourselves up you know i was the worst person to myself and so to be able to help that voice change and yeah. then you know talk kinder to me I, I did that a lot on my own, but also with the guidance of many, many people around me.
0: Yeah. What a beautiful story. And you are such a beautiful person inside and out. Wow. And um, thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, thank you. I'm just, I'm excited to, to continue to hear um, how your life evolves and grows. Um, so when you think about, gosh, all the things you've been through, What legacy do you want to leave behind for your family, people around you?
1: Okay. I did write stuff down for this and it just came to me. So I'm going to read all four of them. Okay. (laughs) I want to be thought of as a woman who embraced her vulnerabilities and shared them with the world to strengthen a community of humans who also coexist with substance abuse, chronic health, and mental health challenges. I want to be known for my pride and my relationship with my faith. I want to be known for integrity as it relates to my attributes, good decision making, loyal, helping others, generating trust, respect, inclusivity and loyalty. I've grown to stand in my truth and align with people, projects and relationships that empower my growth. And finally, I want to be known for being a work in progress. I'm constantly working through old patterns that creep in and create negativity in my thoughts and energy. I don't always get my relationships right, but I always assess how to improve or set boundaries to maybe disengage. And all of this I do with the guidance of God.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you.
1: I've never Uh, been asked that question. And I literally popped them out 30 minutes before we did this. So it must have been sitting within me And it felt very organic and it didn't feel showboaty or anything like that. And I don't know that people will think of me that way and that's okay. You know, I've not always shown up really in a kind way either. Um, And so just to think that people would say, you know, she really put herself out there in a way that invited others to feel good about themselves. That would be like the greatest compliment.
0: Yeah. Well, just, hearing your story today i'm confident that there's going to be somebody listening that needed to hear it that needs to know wow okay she was there and look at where she is today i can do this and that's what i always think of like you know when people ask me how did how did you get through all the stuff that you've been through well number one is my faith so here's the common denominator here um but When you have a strong faith and you really put it in God's hands and allow him to just, that's why I talk a lot about being present. When you're present, you hear, you're guided and you can get through. And so I'm confident that somebody is going to need to hear this. And you're touching so many people's lives by sharing your story. And I'm just so grateful and thankful for for you, your story, um, this beautiful legacy that you're leaving behind. Um, I'm curious now though, when you look at like what you do as therapist, as a coach, what is something that you just love and cherish about what you do? What is that thing that you just, this is why I do this.
1: The aha moment in the client, Mm -hmm. that deep connection or even just the small connection that i know is going to be that ripple effect or the snowball rolling down the hill that's going to get momentum and and they're going to see and understand a pattern that they've habitually been doing that hasn't been serving them or the connection of a lot of people i work with are very shame based and they don't know that when they come to me and so when i share with them certain things that they present with as to why I'm seeing that in them and just giving them guidance to different places to to read things or understand things. Um, That's an amazing aha moment. And just when somebody really understands what it is they value and that they're not living up to the things they value, they feel very imbalanced and helping them to, to find a way to get balanced And to have some of those conversations that are not easy to even think about, let alone speak. Yeah, it's just. um, And not everybody is ready for that, Mary, like when I get people, I would say out of every 10 client, eight or nine of them, it's, it's a great connection and they're ready for some sort of change. And I tell everybody I see I'm not your final person. Do not let me be your final person you should always want to keep growing. And I'm probably going to be doing this 15 more years, but, you know, come back or find somebody different, but never stop growing. But just the things that are making sense to you now, again, it's that scaffolding. It is yeah. get that, that level solid and then build upon it because you can't forgive somebody when you can't understand why you can't forgive them. And part of forgiving somebody is ultimately really forgiving yourself for your relationship to that. And that's really hard for people to understand or even accept. So just any kind of aha is, you know, I just, I get excited about that.
0: Yeah. I have to agree with you a hundred percent, you know, as, as a spiritual life coach, I feel exactly the same. It's like when you get to witness the transformation right before your eyes or, you know, listening to uh, literally, this is just recent, this client that was in such a bitter, bitter, bitter state to this beautiful, I can't believe I am where I am. Mm. And it's, it's just been a beautiful journey. And so I I applaud you for that as well, because it, it is, it is like the best gift that we get to share yeah. is um, when we get to witness that our services are helping other people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, well, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience before you share how they get in touch with you?
1: I would just encourage everybody to be open to looking at all areas of their life that that could bring in, you know, like I think about mental wellness, emotional wellness, spiritual, these dimensions of wellness that that we've heard throughout our lives, or we've, you know, maybe been taught or understand a little bit about. But I don't think that when we're, I, I think when we're looking into what it is that we want to work on within ourselves, or somebody tells us like you have to go to counseling or whatever, or go to coaching. I would just ask people to really be open to the different areas in their life that they don't feel very connected to, or maybe are putting too much time into that's hurting other relationships. And then when you're exploring all of that and, and you're trying to figure out ways that you want to, to I, I was just going to say be better, but I don't like that statement either, but just kind of assess how you can evolve and grow and, and whatnot Never, ever forget that you don't have to do it alone. And yeah. there's there's huge, huge growth points in community. And there's also even bigger when somebody has this relationship to something greater than them. And again, okay. it doesn't matter what your culture is. Lean right. within that practice. And when a person can feel a sense of grace within themselves, it you be, it becomes wholehearted living. And it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So how do people get in touch with you?
1: I think the best way is my website. And so I'm sure you'll link it on here. It's www. Www. Um, And on there, you can read about me. You can read about the different services. My email address is on there. My phone number is on there. My link to my social medias. And then, if you definitely want to work with me, then you just hit that button and it asks some questions. And I get that and I try to respond within 24 to 48 hours.
0: So, okay, perfect. Yes, I will have all of her contact information in the show notes. So, again, thank you so much, Shelly, for sharing your journey. And I just wish you the best. as your life continues to evolve and grow.
1: Thank you. And what beautiful work you're doing for people to, to hear and to, to just help them again, grow and and discover who they are. So thank you for, for this beautiful podcast.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much for that. I hope this episode taught, inspired, encouraged, or gave you hope along your starting over journey. Subscribe today to stay connected and make a difference by sharing this episode with someone who needs to hear this message. And remember, if you're starting over and your transition is making you feel stuck, not valued or enough, and you're questioning everything or looking to deepen your faith, please contact me at mary at maryamarkham.com and let's navigate how i can support and guide you along your starting over journey remember to be kind be you live laugh and love until next time